Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Hi, and welcome to Sastry in the Making. This is Matt, your host, and I'm very excited today. I've got Stuart Marshall live from Australia with me. Stuart, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Matt. Yourself? Good. I'm doing great. Stuart, uh, he is the man. He is a co-founder <laughs> of SaaS Accelerator. He's done a lot over his years in software. He's built tools, solutions, and these are, these are things that are used around the world. He is a speaker, he is an innovator, and he's the best-selling author of Doing It for Money, which uh, sounds a bit crude, but uh, I like the title. Um, And really what that book does, it gives five core principles that you can use to support your future decision-making. So Stuart, what haven't you done? Uh, I'm I'm really bad at geography, in truth. (laughs) Um, that, that largely sums it up. Uh, no, I, I mean, I spent my my career in IT. I kind of fell into it when I was a delinquent teenager. Uh, it seemed like a good thing to learn about in the late eighties, um, and it felt like home from the day I got there. It's a, my, my 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 a sad truth that I try not to tell too many people about. <laughs> and uh, I understand you're an Englishman who found yourself down under. Uh, yeah, I, I I got a job in uh, 1996 working for an Australian software company for the UK office of an Australian software company. And it was uh, in the world of high-speed development tools. And went and did that for a few years in the UK and then came to Australia, visited, loved it, and then uh, sent an email to the boss, said, can I come and work for you in Sydney? And he said, yes. And the immigration people still haven't caught up with me. <laughs> And uh, I guess they never let you leave. Uh, no, I, I, I tried to leave, but the English kept sending me back. So <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, well, I want to learn more about SAS Accelerator. Tell me uh, what you're doing with that and how it's going. <clears throat> okay, so SAS Accelerator is, a, is a, a, a curious idea, really, but one that is, in the modern world is, is an absolute necessity, in my opinion, because I have a bias. But uh, what happened was I was approached by Joanna Inch, uh, at, towards the end of last year and Joanna Inch is a technical marketing queen as far as I considered uh, massive experience with the likes of Lenovo uh, Navman uh, has done great wonders with them and she said to me look I, she's really interested in software as a service uh, and is a, a geek wannabe uh, and anything I say about it will diminish her utterly brilliant skills so I kind of leave it there but she said, look, I'm really good at marketing side of things, but I don't really know a vast amount about software and I want to do SaaS as, um, as, a, as a niche. Um, can you help me? And I said, well, funnily enough, I don't know much about marketing, but I do know quite a lot about software. So, uh, yeah, let's get good together. And so, so we, we, we kind of view the world of, of SaaS through a, a very simple lens, which is there are two sides to the fence. There is the, the world where you're trying to fill a funnel, a sales funnel, which is your side of things, Matt where you're trying to get the customers in, you're looking for good quality customers, you want them to come in uh, and then use a product and love the product and not leave. To keep our churn rates down to a minimum and so on. Now, what we find, of course, is that that's actually not the case. What we find is that we get lower quality customers coming in because people spread the net wide, don't focus on a niche. Uh, They go into the funnel, you get lower quality customers who don't want to pay as much money and also aren't a good fit for the product. 
The worst part about that is very often what you actually find is that the people making the software in the first place are very much focused on the technology. They love the tool they're making. It's their baby. They come along and they make something and, and they're not really thinking about the needs of the customer specifically. They're more interested in the technology they're producing. The result is that you end up with an ecosystem or a platform, whatever you want to call it, where customers aren't really that happy. Um, and they find that they're not being looked after. They're not being given the level of service that they would necessarily want. You know, the platform may well work, sure. but if you're not getting the support you need, if, you, if there isn't sufficient training, documentation, help, tutorials, all of the stuff that we think think of beyond the physical, the actual software itself, when that doesn't exist, then because it's a typically a subscription uh, environment or even just a usage environment, whatever it might be, Customers tend to look at it and they're a bit more critical. And they say, well, it's Lilo, you know, I'm not paying much money. Maybe I, maybe I can go elsewhere. Maybe there are alternatives. And of course, if we go look in the market now at SaaS products, there are every, just about every business has nine or 10 major competitors. Uh, if you think of CRMs as a good, a good for instance here, you know, the likes of Zoho, uh, HubSpot. Tons of them. Um, yeah, absolutely hundreds of the things. Um, uh, somebody, I think I saw a statistic the other day, which is like 7,000 platforms simply in the marketing space alone. That's amazing. You know, I, similar to that, uh, what you're talking about, I actually saw a statistic that five years ago, the average SaaS company had 2.7 competitors. Last year, they had 9.6 competitors. Yeah. So you talk about entry into the marketplace. These companies, mm -hmm. they're competing with, with a great many more systems and usually more sophisticated, more agile, and they really need to understand how to, how to market better, how to sell better so that they can rise to the top. Absolutely. And, and this is so much about what I refer to as the service economy now. You know, the, the, there is clearly a market, the SaaS market this year, I think, uh, prior to COVID, uh, Gartner were talking about, I think, 160 billion this year. I think it was. I think that's the number for this year. Um, and that, that's that. SAS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, that's a, that, you know, that's a that's a gravy train that's going to keep going for a while, right? And we can all get in on that. Um, so th there's plenty of money out there. There's plenty of opportunity out there. But though it is those who provide the high quality service, which is something you do before and after sale that will get the business and will keep the business. I mean, this is about turning customers into raving fans. For sure. Uh, that, that, you know, we can't, you can't just, it's not the eighties anymore. It's not the nineties. We can't just sell a piece of software and have all of our dirty laundry locked in customer sites. What yeah. we now have is when we sell software, we have an internet, which is absolutely awash with information and conjecture and a whole bunch of stuff about absolutely everything. And if you're a, a good business, you'll have your forums available. People can see them because they're part of your sales collateral just as much as they're part of your ecosystem. Uh, we can't just hide in the corner anymore. Everything is out there. It's, it's entirely transparent. And those that are being seen to be doing the right thing, uh, and that goes a long way beyond just the software itself and the, the services that go around that, those who are doing the right thing, behaving ethically and all of these things, they're the ones who will get the business today and tomorrow. Yep, yep. I totally agree. And I want to ask you, uh, as part of your, your philosophy, you've created the 4P methodology to a successful SaaS mm -hmm. business. Yep. So can you tell me a little bit about how that works? Well, this is, this is one, of the, one of the great trials for any, um, any service business 
is explaining what it is that you do. So people say, well, what do you do? Well, I, I, I help SaaS businesses stand up, uh, stand out, become sustainable and, and, and scalable. Uh, and the next question, somebody says, well, how do you do that? Uh, yeah. And, and then you're in a situation where you say, well, um, okay, well, well, what I'll do is I'll turn up and it'll all be brilliant. Okay. No, well, yeah, we need to be a bit more articulate than that. So, so we came up with this, uh, a four point methodology. Uh, and we break the world down into the, this idea that there are four fundamental areas that we need to look at. The first is the platform itself, which is, um, uh, because I lo- I'm a big fan of alliterations, I say that's all about the solution, the systems and the strategy. So this is about the technology that we're making, how we make it, how we do our day-to-day development practices, um, how we deal with this sort of never-ending cycle where we're continually updating software almost on a, a daily or weekly basis. Now we've got to look at, so we look at the platform. Uh, the next side of that is then we look at, we're talking about the people that are involved. Now this is the customers, uh, prospects, those we've closed, those we're hoping to close, whatever sit, mm-hmm. position they're in. Uh, and we're talking about human centricity. And this is a, a key subject in my, in my book. And, it, and it's a key subject that I talk about on a regular basis, because when we're talking about building software, we're not just building software for the fun of it. We're actually building it to solve a human problem. So we need to look at our world through the lens of the people that use the software uh, and how it's going to work for them. And I'm talking about how it supplies their needs uh, and even a few of their wants as well. Then we're talking about the idea of how we actually go and promote this idea. So we talk about promotion and the campaign content and conversion, um, which is, you know, really getting into your side of things. So, uh, and this is about how we tell the story. How, how do we take what we've made this tool that solves a problem? How do we present that to an extraordinarily busy market and, and rise above that? And of course, this is where Joe comes in because it's her expertise. Um, so that we've got this idea we've got a platform we know who we're doing it for we're going to go out there and tell them but then we look at that and go well gosh that's a hell of a lot of work i've got to do for myself how do i do all of these things i'm not expert in a great many of the actions that we need to be involved in and so our fourth p is partners now the idea of partners of course is that they are the experts in their field so we give them a piece of the pie and they deliver for us and this is what provides us with the scalability because if, I, if, for example, I suddenly go through a new marketing campaign and I've got to now train uh, 10,000 new customers, if I've got to scale that within my own business, that's extraordinarily difficult. If what I've done is develop a partner network that can deliver it for me, then I've got a great, much more flexibility in the system. Oh, we combine cool. those four, cool. then, we get to be a, then we get to accelerate. Then we get a platform that we know is solid, is robust, is looking after the needs of our people. We're telling a good story about it. and We've got people who can deliver the service that we need to deliver. I love it. I love it. Fantastic. And, you know, I've, I've uh, been in SaaS for a long time, as you know, and, and uh, I, I never thought of it in those terms, but looking back at, in my experiences, absolutely. Those, those were what we were, were trying to deliver all those four P's. And I think that you've really encapsulated it and made it very easy to understand and digest as well. Well, it's, it, I, I, I like to think that I'm a reasonably well-educated man and I'm reasonably intelligent. But reasonably. these are, yeah, reasonably intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you want to tell me otherwise, Matt, then you, you go ahead. Um, <laughs> but these are complicated things. You know, this this idea that we can just write some software and it will sell. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it kind of works for Kevin Costner in a baseball diamond, but it, it it's not reality. The reality yeah, is that 
this is a really, really big market, massive competition, and we need to be special. We can't just make another HR system and think, oh, well, I've got different colors on the screen and the font's nicer. And I'm using this year's JavaScript, this week's JavaScript library that everybody thinks is popular to get the right uh, behaviors. That's such a minor concept that, you know, we need to get past that. I think it's very true. It, 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 you know, getting that, that product market fit and making sure that you can, you know, not just have a great product, but get it over the line, make sure you're marketing it effectively, selling it effectively is that's a, that's a big step because so many come from the tech, they had an idea or they had an idea and, and they built a product to solve that idea. And that product can be a, a, a good product, but and then, then it's a, a, another leap to get it to the market, the market adopted to, uh, to be able to grow and scale your business. Well, those, those of us who remember uh, the battle between VHS and Betamax. Yeah. yeah the, uh, the quali- I'm, the, I'm not, not going to claim that I, that I know that. Sadly, <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> deny it. Yeah. Uh, it was a battle that Betamax lost despite by all you know commentary being the superior product um and, and we see this this battle go on uh you know throughout the world in various formats things come along they are good at the time they're great on the day but what matters is that you get fans who will use them you get people who use them with their industry individuals the consumer whatever however we we look at that unless you are getting the support for your product, it's not going to work. It's not mm-hmm. going to survive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a simple matter of maths come the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I want to ask you, you know, when we're thinking about people building these, these uh, new SaaS systems that are mm-hmm. coming out and I see a lot of good ones, but what do you look for in a SaaS company and its leaders? Uh, you know, which traits and, and characteristics are important? Uh, for me, absolute number one is focus. What are they looking at? What are they focused on? Now, Great. a phrase that I use a lot is if you're looking at the technology, you're missing the point. And, uh, and that's the truth. This, again, this is another theme that goes throughout my book. That nobody cares about the technology. You don't, most people don't care how the engine in their car works. They have a basic idea that fuel goes in, there's an explosion, uh, fortunately a nicely contained one and the car moves forward. Yeah. We, we like that. We go around, you know, we can, we can use the technology fine. We don't have to care how it works. Uh, the problem for a lot of SAS leaders is that they are so focused on the problem they're solving. So focused on how they're solving it and the technology that they miss the point, which is to actually look after people. So I, I'm interested in people whose focus is not the technology. I'm looking at those who are focused purely on the problem they're solving and who they're solving it for. If they're doing that, if that's what they're looking at, everything else is fine. Yeah, that, I mean, there, there are going to be management issues. There are going to be a whole bunch of, you know, sundry requirements and things that are, are, are difficult and have to be worked through. But it starts with mindset of the individual's concerned. Yeah, I think focus is key. And there's all kinds of, of experts who've written on the subject. You know, you've got Warren Buffett, and he uh, said, uh, take your top 25 things you need to work on, uh, order them, and then look at the top five and forget the rest. Other <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. are, you know, you think about when you're planning your goals, uh, you know, the book Traction, really good book about how to, how to run your business. Uh, that talks about 
you know, come up with one focus for the year. This is your one overarching goal. Not don't don't have six, seven goals because if you have that many focus, nothing's a focus. And so yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I say a similar thing when it comes to software design and software development. That we, it's very easy in the commercial world to get into a, a point where you go, well, it's all about new features. Always about new features. I've got to get the new features. I've got to get the new features. And the answer is no, you haven't. You need some new features, but your core product is going to address ninety percent of the requirement. If it doesn't do that, it's not going to survive anyway. So you, you've already got your core functionalities in place, uh, and sure. the extra little bits that you can make are not going to sell a great many of your products. Mm-hmm. They're not. They they'll keep a few people a little bit happier. Yeah. There are things that you can do in terms of the service you deliver and how you help the people use it that are far more important than a new feature. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, know, you, you you can have iterations where yes we'll have a feature iteration we'll do some work and we'll produce some new stuff then we'll stop and then we'll make sure that we're offering good service then we'll fix up to make sure the bugs are fixed that little bits of enhancements are done that that everything is polished keep improving the quality rather than the quantity love it I think it's great so so what tips would you give SaaS leaders on how to scale and, and how to scale globally uh don't ever think about scaling globally first one think Why? about think about winning your hometown okay I like think it. about winning every um i, I chatted to a, a a young guy recently he's he's he and his uh, brother are bootstrapping a a thing which is a, a community engagement app uh, and the idea behind it is really good uh, and he wants to roll out over, across australia uh, and great. I mean, absolutely wonderful. Great. Lovely ambition. But the practical reality is he hasn't got it in 10 cafes around where he lives. He hasn't filled his little corner of Sydney. When he's filled so his corner of Sydney. you got to own your home market. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah. you got to own your home market. Global happens once you've got a base to go from. Yeah, you know, I, I, I get a, a lot of a lot of questions. A lot of um, guys I, I speak to, talk to some people from India soon. Uh, they they want to break into the Australian market, and the question I'm going to ask them almost straight away is, "Are you the biggest game or one of the biggest games in your hometown, your home city? If you've scaled to right. where there is massive volume locally, solve that." And Uber is a great example of this. Uber were really big in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Then they spread throughout California. Then they spread throughout the West Coast. Then they spread through US, whatever the the actual timeline was. But they started small, were good where they were, demonstrated the value of the market in their hometown. Then they moved to the next one, the next one, the next one. Exactly, the same. Facebook exactly the same. Started at Harvard, spread to the universities, spread, and so on. That's how it works. You can't th- this idea of um just up yeah you know, we'll have world domination it it, it, it doesn't work uh, and the, but and there's a reason for this though as well which and this is something that that gets lost a lot is that uh, we were talking about this the other day when we um that if you want to the conquer if you want to conquer the u.s market then a good start point will be to look like you're a u.s company for sure now that that's a cultural requirement that's not anything I mean, there's a, there's a few things you can do about having a, you know, a, an American business uh, and re- being registered in the U.S. And, and all of that. But in terms of the way the product works and what it does is a cultural requirement. It has to Absolutely. suit the culture of the people who want to use it. If I take the software I make today for the U.S. market and go and dump it in Japan, 
The Japanese have a very different perspective on what screens should look like, how the amount of data that should be on the screen, how it should work, and so on. They have a very different requirement. Europe is different again. Um, sure. Australia is doubtly, I mean, a smallish market, but again, it, it, everywhere we go, there are cultural requirements. So we can't just make one and hope it's a, a good fit. And we're back to the beginning. We're talking about individuals. We're talking about the needs of humans. They're the people who are going to buy, whether you're business to business, business to consumer. Totally agree. Well, you are, you are spouting out some amazing knowledge here, Stuart. I'm loving it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel like we could, uh, we could go on and on for hours, but we do have uh, some time commitment. So I want to make sure that we, uh, we fit within that time commitment. But this has been fantastic. I love it. There's a lot of great things that uh, our listeners can, can take from this, that they can apply. Um, what is the best way to get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Uh, by far away, the easiest is to go look for me on LinkedIn. Okay. Stick me in Google, stick my name in Google, and I should turn up. Okay. Stuart Marshall. There you go, folks. Uh, make sure you spell it right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this has been great, Stuart. I appreciate it. Hope you uh, have a great rest of your day there down in, down in Sydney. And, no, we're, uh, in lock, we're in COVID lockdown now, so it's uh, a nice quiet time for everybody. We're all sitting inside uh, talking to America most of the time, I think. Every day is just like the last uh, when you're in lockdown, uh, that's for sure. Pretty much. <laughs> Still. Well, don't, don't go too stir-crazy on me. Not a chance. <laughs> All right, great, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for your time, Matt. And uh, chat soon. All right, sounds great. Take care, my friend. Thank you for listening to Sastery in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.